All right. Welcome, everybody. It's Tuesday night. It's nine o'clock. It's time for another Get Off My Lawn podcast. The uh, notifications will be going out here right directly. So we should see some people filter into the uh, the chats here on YouTube and Facebook as we go along here. Uh, want to say uh, want to say hi to everybody. We've got uh, um, got some rowdy people that we're going to pull into the panel here in just a second. Um, I am halfway flying solo again tonight. So Sandhill Sweetheart isn't feeling the best. Uh, I think she's got a cold or something coming on. So she's not down here. Uh, with me sitting in the producer's chair. So anybody that uh, that prays to somebody higher than them, you can go ahead and say a prayer for her that uh, it's just a cold and we can get her in and, and get some uh, antibiotic or something to clear that up here pretty quick. But uh, she was going to see if she had enough energy to stay up late, um, late for her anyway, um, and uh, and hang out in the chat. So we'll see if she's out there. And if not, then I'll do my best to keep up with the comments, but uh, we won't have the list. So I'll, I'll try to uh, try to read the comments as we go along here. So, all right. Um, a couple things that I do want to uh, mention here before we pull everybody into the panel. Uh, we've got uh, same announcements that we'd like to make at the beginning of every show. We are now part of the Self-Defense Radio Network. So uh, you can find us and a whole lot more even better podcasts all grouped together there um, that all are geared around shooting or self-defense or, or things like that. Uh, you can find podcasts like this one. You can find Riding Shotgun with Charlie. You can find uh, Gun Freedom Radio, The Armed Citizen from Ghost Tactical. Um, what else? L uh, Locked and Loaded Latinos is on there now. Um, all kinds. I know I can't. I, I try to remember half of them and I can't even remember half of them. Armed Lutheran Radio, uh, Unload and Show Clear. Um, eye on the target radio. There's all kinds of good stuff out there along with the polite, uh, polite society podcast as well. So go to selfdefenseradio.net or this one's easier for me to remember sdrn.us and you can uh, go check out all of those cool podcasts. Uh, if you want to catch us on the audio version, or you know somebody that says, Hey, I'd love to uh, listen to this, but I don't want to sit through a YouTube or watch it on Facebook then you can find um, you can find us just about anywhere um, audio podcasts are found now, including Google and Apple Podcasts and Spotify and uh, I think Stitcher. I don't remember now. Um, and you can get to it all from Anchor as well. Uh, but uh, just go to your favorite podcast uh, platform and just search uh, Get Off My Lawn Podcast or Sandhill Shooter. You should be able to find us. Um, so we're out there. Um, couple other things that I want to mention here, but we're going to bring everybody in and just let everybody say hi real quick here. So uh, let's see the last guy to join us today. We'll make him be the first one to uh, to say hi tonight. So coming to us from the, the capital city of Lincoln, Nebraska, we've got everybody's uh, favorite proud papa, defense dad is in the house. How's it going? Going great. How are you doing? Not too bad. It's the day off today. Took the kiddos shooting. She actually beat me in a shooting contest. So, and well, eat, eat crow got beat by an eleven-year-old girl, but she's getting to be a pretty good shot. I tell you what, that's uh, uh, that's one of those deals where you don't have to be um, as as old or as tall or or as experienced as anybody else to you know just to be a natural. So, shooting is kind of one of those things where um, 
anybody can be really good at it, no matter no matter how old they are, how big they are. So yeah, that's a, that's that's cool. Um, it's probably only the first of many many times that you have to look forward to getting beat. Just so you know, I'll say I was pretty proud of her because she only actually has twenty percent vision in her left eye. Oh wow! So she's doing pretty well. Good, good. Glad to hear it. All right. Uh, moving right along, we've got uh, one more fellow reporting in from South Central Nebraska. We've got Pat in the house. Pat, how's it going? Oh, it's going pretty good tonight. Uh, can't complain with the weather that we've been having, so uh, <laughs> don't have much to complain about. So doing right. really good tonight. Thanks. To, uh, glad to be on tonight for sure. You bet. And thanks for joining us. And then uh, a fairly rare treat um, due to work and everything else. We don't often get to say hi to Squib these days, but uh, he is here with us tonight. And uh, I almost forgot the way that I usually introduce this guy, but uh, he's a nice guy once you get to know him, which we all know is, is code for he's, he's kind of a jerk, but you'll get used to it. Squib, how's it going? Uh, yeah, I'm here because somebody has to not be from Nebraska. And uh, typically around this time, the third shift guy is coming up to me, following me around. So <laughs> it's not a good idea to try to go live. But he's on vacation. I'm working overtime. And uh, I'm able to weasel on the show today. All right. Thanks, well, for, uh, thanks for the invite. Glad to have you along. All right. And then one more announcement that I wanted to make. Um, and I wanted Pat to be up here on the screen as well because he's such a better model than i am for these cool hats although i'm going to grab this one too if you want to get cool sandhill shooter gear you can go to blackswantactical.com uh, go to the team sandhills collection and you can get cool stuff like that hat which is kind of like the one i'm wearing right here you can also get the uh the sandhill sweetheart um her her fight is my fight or not today cancer there's both designs out there in hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee cups. Um, I think that might be it, but there's all kinds of cool stuff over there. So go check that out. And uh, uh, the the cool thing is if you send us pictures, um, post them up on, on Facebook or, or send them to us in an email, we just kind of want to see those pictures of people um, wearing her stuff and, and showing that support and showing that love. It, uh, it, it really does her heart good to, to know how many people are out there praying and, and uh are just in in our corner so we we love that from all of you so all right i think that is all of those housekeeping things one last announcement that we're going to make here um this week's episode is sponsored by riding shotgun with charlie riding shotgun with charlie is a great interview show brings you right into the heart of intimate conversations where you can be a fly on the rearview mirror the show's host, Charlie Cook, talks freedom, firearms, and anything related with guests from all over the country. Filmed within the safe confines of Charlie's stagecoach, passengers open up about their lives and what is on their mind. Riding Shotgun with Charlie is available on YouTube, GunStreamer, and the OpsLens app, and most popular podcast platforms as well. You can visit Charlie on the web at writingshotgunwithcharlie.com. Be sure to uh, check out the cool swag page. You can get t-shirts, stickers, patches, and more. So thank you, Writing Shotgun with Charlie, for bringing us live on both YouTube and Facebook tonight. We could not do it without you and our other sponsors. We sure appreciate it. So, all right. Um, who do we have out there in the chat? Let's see what's going on. We've got Patriot in the Dark. Uh, stumbled his way in here. Um, 
And then after that, it looks like Obnoxious One said he's first. So glad to have you guys out there. G23's in the house. MKJO, Defense Dad's out there and in here. Pat's out there and in here. Uh, my beautiful bride is out there in the chat. Um, she's not going to be there long, but she said hi. So, uh, so yeah, we won't have a list probably later, but uh, uh, we'll say hi to everybody if we get a chance to. Uh, Frankie's out there. Let's see. Who else do I see out there? Guy that comments um, is in the chat. I don't see anybody commenting yet over on the Facebook side, so maybe those will come through as well. Um, I do see a few people have, have liked it on Facebook, and there's a few people watching right now. More on Facebook than YouTube right now actually, according to uh, to my StreamYard software. So, hey, there's Josh out there. What's up, Josh? All right. Um, we're just going to have some fun. I don't know how long this is going to take. It might not take all night. We'll see. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, I've got some news. This is something that maybe a lot of you weren't aware of. Um, but it's actually, it's really hard right now to find ammo. And I don't know if anybody else was aware. This may be a shock. Um, uh, with, with just the perfect storm of everything happening between all the new gun owners who now need to find ammo to feed their new purchases along with, uh, what's I think that at least in the case of some people, there's been some panic buying, um, and, and, you know, maybe some hoarding. And that is a term that's kind of relative, um, you know, one person's stockpile, uh, you know, is a hundred rounds and another person's is 10,000. So. You know, it, it just kind of depends on, of course, everybody's definitions there. But I know a lot of people that are buying it when they really don't need to add more ammo to their collection, um, but they 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 just want to have it because they see it's it's available, so they snatch it up. So all that kind of just leads to a, the perfect storm of ammo's hard to come by, and the manufacturers are running as much as they can around the clock. They just can't keep up. The supply cannot meet the demand, which means that not only is it scarce, but when you find it, it's also very expensive. Uh, so um, we can complain about all, all we want about the prices, but let's all try to keep in mind, number one, this that's what a free market does, supply versus demand, right? When demand is high and supply is low, then um, not only does it cost more to try and, and increase production, um, which drives up price, but also, you know, that just means that people can charge what they want and get away with it. And, and that it's just the nature of the beast. If we don't want that, then our options are go to socialism or communism or, or some other, you know, version of government and, and economy that's not capitalism. And I don't want to see that. So, um, Hey Donnie, I see you out there too, on the, on the Facebook side. So, uh, um, Oh, cool. Patriot says he, he just fell into a bunch of 40 Smith and Wesson. If anybody needs it, he's got paperwork. You can just mortgage your house and he'll send you some ammo. So, uh, you know, with people like that, that are super nice, I don't know. I don't, you know, we just, this world is awesome. Does my heart good to see, you know, an offer like that. Um, Josh says trying to find primers. Um, he's actually learning how to reload used primers. So, in a couple of years, that might be the next thing that's that's uh, really in trouble. So, um, so because of the ammo shortage, the price of ammo, even if you do have enough to go to the range, it's way more expensive now than it ever has been to go to the range because of the value of that ammo. The dollar value has gone up. So, what used to be, um, you know, 
16, 17 cents around, we're seeing um, 70, 80, 90, maybe even a dollar around uh, for nine millimeter now. It's just nuts what the prices are. That means if you want to be proficient, something's got to give. You've either got to spend a ton of money to keep shooting as much as you're used to shooting, or you've got to come up with a few options. So we're going to go around the room and uh, give everybody a chance to talk. And, and as you're thinking about these uh, fellows here on the panel, just um, keep in mind that, that maybe the person before you is going to say something that you were going to say. So maybe have a couple different things that you can throw out there for options so that we don't, you know, have everybody kind of saying the same thing, unless, unless it's important enough or a big enough deal that you do want to say, you know, I'm going to say this again, because this is a big deal. So, um, I'm going to throw the first one out there. I understand that a lot of people will poo poo this idea. Uh, it's not ideal. It's not the best option, but it's an option that a lot of people I think probably will take. And it's an option that so far I've taken for the most part. Um, the option is don't go to the range. I don't have a ton of ammo and I don't want to spend a ton of money to replace the ammo that I do have. And I'm not saying that I'm so good. I don't have to go practice. That's not the case. But the fact of the matter is that there's been a lot more important things to devote time and money to lately than buying more ammo and going to the range. So that has been one of the things that has lapsed in, in my training cycle anyway. Uh, so I'm just going to throw that out there that let's not discount the fact that there will be a bunch of people that, that choose that option. Just don't go practice. Don't, you know, no live fire training, um, and, and aren't doing anything else really, um, to replace it because maybe, you know, with shutdowns and everything else and, and some people not being at work, you know, maybe you not only can't afford ammo, but you can't afford some of the other aids that are out there as well, that, that maybe a few people are going to throw out there, but, I want, I wanted to discuss that and not dance around the fact that I haven't gone to the range very much myself. I'm as guilty as anybody at not training. Um, I'm not a great shot. I'm not a terrible shot either. I have been consistently mediocre at most things. My whole life shooting is one of them. Um, but without any kind of, uh, I guess stress induced or, you know, it, it's hard to simulate an actual, um, defensive gun use, right? But things that you can do to, to kind of simulate adrenaline or heart rate, things like that. I mean, you know, short of that, just static firing at a paper target. I've never had a problem at normal distances, 21 yards or less, uh, or excuse me, 20 feet, 21 feet or less, seven yards. Um, never had a problem putting all my shots into a Q target. So it, it's one of those things where, if I was terrible and I couldn't even hit the paper that the Q target's part of, that'd be one thing. I, I would try to, to get it to where I could at least hit that. But since I'm consistently inside the Q target, it's one of those things where maybe good enough is good enough. And I've just not devoted a lot of time or, or energy or money into getting it to where I can put, you know, an entire magazine into one ragged hole at seven yards. That's just, I don't have the guns that'll do it. Um, so we're going to, uh, go through and you know what, let's pick on somebody. He did make it into the room. So Travis, we're going to let you say hi 
And then um, we're going to give you the floor yeah, as man. soon as you get a chance to say hi. And just we're going to we're going around the room and just offering alternatives to live fire practice at the range because that can be kind of cost prohibitive right now. So how are you? Dude, I'm doing great. Honestly, I thought you were Thursday nights only. I didn't even bother checking my email after hit or miss. And they're like, <laughs> hey, John's doing a show. I was like, what? So, uh, man, I'm sorry I'm late. I would have been here sooner. I'm it's doing okay. Great. I'm doing awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, as for, for practice, I mean, you know, dry fire, some snap caps. I think that's probably, I mean, everybody's going to mention that. It's probably one of the better better ways you can practice because, you are you know, you're handling your own firearm. You're drawing. There's uh, probably a series of training videos that you can follow on, on practicing and exercises and kind of retaining that muscle muscle memory, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely dry fire practice is a good one. No, and, and I think that was probably going to be the the first one that I would mention if I hadn't already yeah. mentioned because because I don't know how much of that you heard, Travis. But um, oh, none of it. <laughs> an option, yeah. an option that I think a lot of people are going to take, and it's it's probably the worst option, but it's one that I've taken for the most part too. Is 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 not to train. Um, so I I said that first is mine, partly because it's it's a confession, and and partly because. I don't want anybody to feel shamed that, oh gosh, I'm not doing, I'm not even dry firing right now. You know, um, you know, I haven't done anything, you know, that doesn't make you a bad person. That's, that's why I brought it up. So, all right. Well, yeah. And dry fire definitely is a great, definitely a great option. Um, when it comes to dry fire, there are a few things that maybe, um, we should probably, uh, you know, warnings or safety things that we should go over. So Travis, when you do dry fire inside your own home, what's your procedure? Do you just grab your gun and, and start shooting at the TV and, and hope that you cleared it? Or what's the, what's oh, your process? No. You go through? I actually, I, I empty out the mags and I've got a bunch of snap caps. I just load up probably five or six per magazine and then uh, run through and practice and cycle. I guess it kind of depends on the gun. So the gun's got the double action, you know, depends on the trigger. Mm-hmm. um that determines yeah usually i practice with snap caps i mean i've got nothing against just firing the magazine dry with no snap cap in the firearm itself but you know I, i'd want to have something and they're just just i don't know if it's a little bit better for the firing pin or not i don't think it really matters but for me that's basically you now check and empty out the mags set them off to the side the ammo off to the side and uh proceed another thing that i've heard oftentimes is um unload and and, and clear the firearm in one room, leave your magazines, your ammo, all that stuff in yep. that room, and then go to a different room to do your dry fire. Yep. You know, cause I mean, I don't know if, if anybody out here listening right now has ever had this experience, but I've, I've heard and read more than one account of somebody who, uh, you know, cleared their, their firearm and was sitting there doing some dry fire, maybe watching walking dead or something, you know, shooting zombies on TV, right? Dry fire. You can do that. You can practice your trigger, uh, trigger pull and all that side alignment and, uh, and actually have something, you know, that is okay to shoot at, right? If, if there was a zombie outbreak, it'd be okay to shoot zombies. So, um, doing that. And then, you know, they've got everything just on the, on the end table next to the couch or next to their chair. So they go ahead and, you know, put their magazine back in the, their pistol, put it in the holster, set it off to the side. And then, you know, half an hour later, they decide, you know what? I'm going to take a few more shots, you know, dry fire. So then they pick it back up and shoot their television with a live round because they forgot to clear it again. We've all heard those stories, I think. Uh, so just make sure that if you dry fire, 
make good and sure that you're checking and double checking and triple checking that you're you're not sending <laughs> you're not sending live rounds um, down range, which is across your your house. That would be bad. I think your definition of clearing the weapon and my definition of clearing a weapon are two different things. I don't take the mag out, eject the round that's in the chamber out of it, then put the live or loaded mag back in and go, here, the weapon's clear. If somebody did that and handed me their gun, I'd probably smack it out of their hands and say, what are you doing? Uh -huh. When you clear a weapon, you clear the weapon. So you, you, you drop the mag, you open the chamber, you physically and visually inspect that there's not a round in there, you grab one of your spare empty mags, you put it in there, done, your weapon is clear. Saying that I just took the live round out of the chamber is not clearing the weapon. That's not what I meant. And it's not what I said. And if, if that's what anybody heard, definitely not what I meant. Um, no, I'm talking about actually clearing the weapon. Eject if it's if it's a auto, yeah, eject the magazine, clear the chamber. I run the slide several different times just to make sure that you know for my OCD um, that it's good and clear, and the, and then do the the tactile inspection. You know, put my finger in there, look at it, whatever I got to do. But then, like I said, I like to walk away from wherever I put that magazine and that that round out of the chamber. Um, I want to go into a different room just because I'm absent-minded myself and I don't want to be that guy that, that does the dry firing and then goes back. You know, if you have to actually go into another room to load your pistol back up and get it ready for carry again, you're probably going to remember doing that. And even an absent-minded person like me, um, is probably going to remember that. But if I just, if, if I just, uh, you know, put the magazine back in, you know, um, put a fresh round in the chamber, top my mag back off, whatever your process is, put it in the holster, lay it beside me, uh, on the end table there. Am I going to remember whether or not I've done all that? And, and am I going to have the presence of mind to verify the condition of that pistol when I pick it back up? You know, I hope so, but safety is no accident. That's why I try to just recommend, uh, I don't care how smart you are, how good you are, how long you've been shooting, how long you've been training there. It, the longer you train and the more you're around firearms, the more you respect the process of double checking and triple checking and everything. Right. And anybody that thinks that they're too good to, to, uh, do all the things. And, and, you know, the, if they're good enough that they can cut corners on safety, uh, I don't want really to be around you if you're, if you're shooting live fire, I guess anyway. Uh, so, so no, I, I definitely didn't mean to give the uh, impression that clearing the weapon means um, putting a, a loaded magazine back into it. No, definitely not. Well, that's so, the only way that could happen. Well, not necessarily. If I if I load it back up and then set it down because I had everything right there beside not, me, then the weapon is not clear. Right. You know? well, but that's what I'm about... saying. But but what that you know as well as I do that people have done that. Yeah, what I got from that was that absolutely stupid people have done that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what I got from that is you see all those videos all the time, those idiots who you're just trying doing stuff on YouTube and you end up doing an ND because they are they're doing stupid stuff. That's that's the example I thought he was talking about. Well, I mean, there's there's all kinds of different examples, but you yeah. know, just is the if you're not that used to to dry fire practice or or manipulating your firearm, then it's it's you know very, very important to make sure that you do all the safety things you need to do. Um, if you are experienced, then you understand that you cannot get complacent. You cannot, 
cut corners and you're still going to do it. Uh, there's a reason why, uh, you know, pilots have their checklist and have to pull all the, the flags off their aircraft, right? Before they take off with it and count them and make sure that everything's done, no matter how many missions they've flown, whether, you know, they're green or they've, they've been flying for 30 years, they still do that process because safety, right? So. Yeah. I just had a guy today at the range that when I was shooting with my daughter, he came over and started talking and he noticed we were shooting similar guns and he handed my, handed me his just to see the difference on it said it was empty and he got offended because I racked the slide. Guess what? There was a live round chamber in it. Just, he pulled the magazine out. So people forget about it. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. it's stupid and they're, they're not paying attention, but it does happen. Yeah. So for example, when you hand somebody else a semi-auto handgun, the chamber uh, should be uh, visible. You should have the slide locked to the rear. You, you shouldn't have a loaded magazine or a magazine in it at all unless you, you have an empty mag and that's a requirement to have the, the, the slide lock to the rear because some guns, yeah, you have to do that. Other ones have got a, a slide release there that you can just push up and it'll lock it. But you it's like handing somebody a knife. Do you hand them with the pointed end? No. You, you either fold the blade if it's foldable and you hand them the knife or you grab the, the, the knife end, the blade end of it and you hand them the, the handle end of it. That's That's you know, etiquette, that's polite, that's safe, that's responsible. It's the same thing. If somebody just handed me their 1911 uh, and, and, and the action wasn't open, once again, smacking it out of their hand or I'm going, hey, what are you doing? I mean, that's just, so there are, there are ways, to, there, there, are, there are ways to do it in a way that not only are you safe, but you're also kind of practicing gun etiquette. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's, it's practically rude to do something like that. And I'm probably not going to smack somebody's expensive or even inexpensive firearm out of their hand, especially if I don't know if there's a live round in the chamber and how safe this thing is for drops. But I'm going to do the exact same thing that everybody else said. I'm going to take the thing. I'm going to check it myself, which I'm probably going to do anyway, even if you hand me a, a pistol with the slide lock back or a revolver with the cylinder out. I'm, I'm yeah. still going to look at that. Uh, cylinder and inspect the chambers or look at uh, the chamber on that auto and inspect that and verify that either there's no magazine or there's an empty magazine. Um, and I've never been a fan of that empty magazine thing until recently when more uh, manufacturers are putting a, a bright orange or yellow follower in their magazine. And now it's a lot easier to tell that, you know, yeah, that's an empty magazine because I can see the follower. So I like that, that that's nice. If, if you've got the slide locked open and no mag in the gun or an empty mag, whether the follower, follower is visible or not, and you hand it to the person and they look in it to check it, that's also proper etiquette and proper safety. And if the other person's offended, maybe you can have a conversation with them, but you also might want to think about who you're actually, you know, spending your time with at the range. Sure. But that could be a so, teachable moment, too. It could be a teachable moment. It could be. But I don't know. God, for me, at this yeah. at this point, it's kind of like, dude, you don't even know this. How even do you not even, yourself in the foot? <laughs> even if you if you make it to the range these days, there is a higher percentage than ever that there's somebody next to you that doesn't have experience. They've just fought, you know, bought a firearm for the first time. Uh, Charlie out there uh, said he believes Emily Post wrote in her etiquette book, it's okay to check the condition of a firearm every time you hand one to someone or when someone hands one to you. Um, and then Cal says kind of the same thing. 
when he watches someone clear a gun and hand it to him, they get to watch him clear it. It's just the way it works. Yeah, I don't think anybody who's offended that um, that you checked the condition of the firearm that they just handed you, then again, they they need to maybe check some ego a little bit um, because I know people get tired of hearing this, but it's something that I, I learned a long time ago in a factory that I worked in. Safety is no accident. I've never forgotten that saying. Uh, you know, you, you can never be too careful when it comes to things that can take lives or seriously injure th- injure people, right? Just like Squib was telling me a story about working on forklifts um, before we went live tonight. I mean, there's a safer and a better way to do things. That's the way that you should always do them, right? If, if at all, <laughs> if management lets you. So, but yeah, no, and, and it could very well be a teachable moment. There could be somebody who doesn't know better and that's okay too, if that's the case. But don't jump all over their case and make them sorry they came to the range at that point. Just explain why you're, you know, um, especially if they have a look on their face or they come out and ask, you know, hey, don't you trust me? Uh, When it comes to firearms, I don't trust anyone, including myself. I double check myself all the time, too, Um, because it's, it's better to better to be safe than sorry. Right. So. And. Yeah, CloverTech. Everybody's kind of um, weighing in the same way. Always check clear before you hand it off. They should always check when they get it. Double verify both times. And yeah, some firearms don't lock back even with the magazine, empty magazine in them. So that's true too. Well, and I'll say usually when I go to the range, if I if there's something that happened, I don't know why, but it's usually for me. It's been older guys who've been shooting, you know, since Moses was a baby. And I think they just get complacent <laughs> and they just forget their training to just do it so much. Uh, that, that's usually like, you know, if I get flagged by somebody in a range or what, like what happened today, it's, it's usually people a lot older than me, which surprises me, but that's what I, that's what I find. Yeah. But again, just because somebody is more seasoned at life doesn't mean that they're more seasoned at handling firearms. There are a lot of people um, who bought their first firearm in their 60s, 70s, even 80s in the last year too? I just, I was, I don't even remember who I was listening to just last night on somebody's podcast and said that um, his dad was 83 and was 82 when he bought his first handgun because uh, he was very, uh, very liberal minded for the most part, you know, very uh, uh, voted Democrat, probably voted for Biden, but decided after this year that he needed to finally have a a handgun in the house for, for protection. Right. And so those folks are out there that it took him over 50 years of marriage to his wife to buy a handgun to protect her, but he got there and that's the important thing. Right. But just because somebody's old doesn't mean they know what they're doing, whether it, it even driving. I mean, and sometimes, you know, sometimes you go the other direction on the curve. Sometimes after you get to a certain age, you kind of, lose track of what you're doing too. So, but yeah, it, it can happen. So Clover wants to disagree, which is totally fine. Uh, you don't forget training. If you do, you didn't train it right. Um, train until you do it without thinking. That's the issue though, is sometimes when I go on autopilot, that's where things happen and, and corners get cut sometimes. So, um, all right, so we're going to move along and give everybody else kind of a chance to talk. Anybody have anything else they want to mention on the on the dry firing before we move along? 
Yes, I've okay. got a little something. Go for and it. I'm about ready to show something, and it's not a real gun. And most of us guys from the 80s will recognize this little piece of equipment. Yeah, I hit that dog. No zapper. <laughs> that freaking dog. I spent more time shooting the dog than I did ducks, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Okay, now this this is this is kind of funny, but kind of being serious here too. I actually have the extension cords to go along with this old girl, and I still have a full-size old school TV in the house. But I can back clear up to where those little clay shooters or the ducks are tiny dots. And I can, it's all about hand eye coordination, just getting lined up with your target, pulling the trigger, and doing that. And that's, that's kind of what I've been doing is just using this little guy and just making sure that I'm getting proper side alignment front to back with my handgun. And hey, if I get it, I'm getting the duck or I'm taking down the clay pigeon. So I, it's, it's a little funny, but a little serious all at the same time. So I had to throw that in there. <laughs> that's awesome. Very cool. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. We're we'll move around the horn here and go to defense, Dad. What is another option with that? Uh, either you're you're using or um, just a, a good one to throw out there to avoid having to spend a lot of of money on ammo right now. Well, I mean, probably the same as a lot of people do. I I do do quite a bit of dry fire. I mean, I'm not doing it every night and that kind of stuff, but I'll, at least once a week. You know, I just put a target up on the wall and. You know, practice practice by draw for one, um, and then practice presenting. You know, looking through the front sights, uh, not from low ready, because in a situation you're really not going to shoot from low ready. You're you have to draw. Mm -hmm. um, but stuff like that, um, I have played around with other people's like uh, like electronic shooting systems, and everything. Uh, not my thing. I would I'd rather just. I, I do most of my dry fire training, to be honest with you, with my G3C, uh, just because I don't have to use snap caps and keep racking the slide. And while it's got a decent trigger, it's not the lightest trigger in the world, so it helps you learn, you know, how to keep the gun on target while you're while you're drawing. It's, it's a good, it's a decent cheap gun, and but it's more so a really good training tool for me. No, that's awesome too. Very cool. Um, all right, we're going to move along to Pat, although you've already kind of gone out of turn and shown us the Nintendo Zapper, but we'll give you a chance to uh, to jump back in there with, with another alternative to uh, to live fire training. What else do you got? Um, well, uh, more on the serious side. <laughs> sure. Um, just uh, practicing the drawing from however you do it either whether it be shoulder or concealed or on your hip or whatever like at night especially like uh during a uh, break-in or something in the middle of the night uh turning off all the lights in the house uh towards light as long as there's not anybody in the house and uh just making sure you've got your zones of fire where you need to be shooting at, you know, especially the longest part of your house uh, inside, you know, uh, down a long hallway and stuff like that, and just 
practicing those movements throughout your house and stuff. Um, I've done that a couple of times. Uh, you know, obviously I'm not going to do it with live rounds in the house anyway, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> the wife might shoot me then, but, uh, yeah, just, just practicing that way, just practicing your movements, uh, whether it be inside, outside at a range or, you know, whatever, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't even necessarily have to be dry firing, just practicing that movement and getting that muscle memory in your hands and your arms from the draw to, wherever you're going to be shooting. So, well, and you bring up a great point that I think a lot of us, myself included, um, maybe miss the boat a little bit when it comes to dry fire training, dry fire isn't only side alignment and trigger press. Exactly. When you've got your firearm cleared, you, that's a great time to practice drawing and the reholstering process too, um, safely and, and, you know, without consequences. Uh, but, you know, if, if you're going to carry um, striker fired, then take that gun and, and go ahead and, and cycle the slide and then holster it up, right? Uh, if you're carrying cocked and locked, then make sure that you know how to uh, holster that and then draw. And, you know, if you're, if you're, especially if you're cocked and locked, but no matter what it is, if it's got an external safety and you, you carry with the safety on, then make sure that your draw process includes uh, flicking off the safety. Right. I mean, it's not just the the trigger pull itself that is part of dry fire, um, knowing how to sweep your cover garment out of the way. If you wear a, a tucked in shirt with a tuckable holster, knowing how to, you know, clear your, your shirt out of the way to, to access your firearm there or whatever is the process where wherever and however you carry. Yeah. Practice getting it out and into action. Um also a great time to do that is when you're doing your dry fire, then you can draw and aim and fire all in one motion, um, in a safe environment too. Well, and one thing I forgot, there are two things I forgot. So if you're, you know, it might sound funny, but practice drawing for practice from your chair too, because someone kicks that door open, you may not have time to get up. Uh, so every once in a little practice that, and also practice your quick quick reloads. You, you know, eject the empty mag. You have one ready to go. Uh, I'll never forget the first time my daughter came around the corner and she saw me doing that in the kitchen. And she started yelling at me because, Dad, you're throwing your mags on the ground. You're going to break them. I'm like, no. I'm like, fucking no, you need to do that. But, <laughs> you know, if not a, not to focus on doom and gloom, but we practice to protect, to defend our homes. And it's always, it's not going to be a perfect situation where you're standing up ready to draw. I mean, so you got to, you got to look at those things too. And at least once in a while, practice that. Mm -hmm. Nope. You're right. That that's also a very good thing to do. And, and if you're, if your primary handguns a revolver, then get lots of snap caps so that you can practice ejecting and then reloading um, with those as well, because that's also a process that you need to be, adept at so absolutely so all right uh squib you're up next um what ideas do you have that haven't been mentioned yet there's tons of stuff out there we may not even scratch the surface with all five of us tonight i'm gonna go a little abstract here okay all right you're not in a position where you can go to the range or go to the range as often as you'd like so I thought about what I said about smacking a gun out of somebody's hand. And I thought, 
maybe that was a bit extreme, a bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> but then I stopped and I thought about it. And I'm like, no, I've restrained. I've, I've grabbed the muzzle of a gun and pointed it in a safe or safer direction. I've actually had situations where I've had somebody doing something unsafe. And it, it was either my responsibility to supervise them or uh, it wasn't. But I took it upon myself to ensure the safety of myself and others. And I have gotten physical with other people. I have berated people for their lack of safety, their lack of uh, you know, knowledge and that sort of thing. And, and here's, here's my position on that. If you can't handle me berating you for you risking my safety or everybody's safety, for you doing something that you didn't take the time to learn how to, how to do beforehand, how are you going to handle the stress of ever actually having to use that to defend yourself? In addition, if, if after I've pointed your gun in a safe direction and chewed your butt and we clear it and make sure it's safe, and then I explain to you some firearms safety basics that apparently you've ignored, you've forgotten, or you never took the time to learn, mm -hmm. and you don't think that you can get over the way I spoke to you. You can't get over the tone of my voice or the volume of my voice or the words I use or you're offended or you're and you cannot find it in yourself to get over it. Whether it takes you five minutes or it takes you five days, then maybe you don't have the responsibility within yourself to know when to use deadly force. So my abstract idea is for all of you people out there who aren't in a position to go to the range or go to the range as often as you'd like to maybe use this time to reflect on two things. One, do you have what it takes to take another human being's life? Because it is not an easy thing to do. And two, do you have what it takes mentally to know when to de-escalate or when not to go to that last resort? There are plenty of people that have gone to the last resort first, and that wasn't the best choice. And you can judge each thing on a case-by-case -case basis, and you can complain about armchair quarterbacking, you weren't there. And to some extent, that has some validity. But there's some other stuff where it's like, no, I've walked in that guy's shoes and that was a screw up. Or you talk to somebody else who has some experience and they're going, no, that was. And it happens. We all screw up. But you, if you don't have what it takes to defend your life or defend your loved one's life or a stranger's life, then I don't really know that carrying a weapon less than lethal or lethal is is really it's kind of pointless you can do it but it's kind of pointless and mm -hmm. if you think if you think that your dirty harry or your rambo or your your uh uh charles bronson or something like that once again i don't know that you have the mental fortitude to know when to back off or to be aware of your surroundings or to do some of the other things that come with self-defense you do not always go to the gun so take some time to reflect. No, that's great advice. And there's actually a lot to unpack in, in everything that you just said. Um, when it comes to when it comes to range etiquette, I mean, I think we can all agree, can't we, that the number one biggest offense you can commit, short of shooting somebody, okay, we'll leave that one out, but um, the, the number one um, offense that you can commit that everybody walks away from is flagging somebody with a firearm. Right. I mean, there there's not a bigger offense that you I can think of at a range besides flagging somebody or something that that isn't downrange. Right. So. 
when you see something like that, there's not always time to sit down and, and have a calm, rational explanation of, hey, I just wanted to point out that your firearm happens to be pointing directly at my body. And I would sure appreciate if you would go ahead and turn that and put that back down range in a safer direction, just because I'm not really uh, enjoying the thought of you accidentally shooting me. No, you're going to say, hey, get that pointed down range. You're going to do that, right? We're all going to do that. If you're pumping gas at the gas station and you see somebody walking up with a lit cigarette hanging out of their mouth, you're going to yell at them to get the heck out of there, get away from where you're pumping gas, right? I mean, that's just what you're going to do. And at that point, their feelings really don't matter as much as everybody's safety involved. Where where I'm saying don't berate people is if they just hand you a firearm and, and they didn't show that it was clear first. I mean, don't dress them down and, and, and make them, you know, want to go find a corner. Uh, that's really what I was more getting at. And the idea of slapping my gun out of my hand, even if I did something bad with it, I mean, if you knock my gun out of my hand and it hits the ground, we're going to have a whole different conversation um, that I don't want to have either. Uh, so, you know, yeah, don't, don't, I know what you're saying, Squib, but for people out there listening who maybe we need to um, have a little more context um, it's an expression. It doesn't mean literally knock their expensive property. That's not yours down to the floor and, and bust it on the concrete or scratch it, whatever, unless you're willing to pay to have that fixed or replaced. What Squib's saying is there are some things that need action first and words second, I think is what you're meaning on that part. Right. And yeah, sometimes those words are harsh and sometimes it takes that harsh language to build that, that wrinkle in your brain that says, Hey, I need to be more careful when I'm at a range because I just safety is, is needs to be everybody's number one concern, especially when there's more than one person, you know, around a firearm. So I hope that that's what you were meaning. And I did you justice there, Squib. Um, I mean, kind of that, and you guys just way too nice. Uh, well, partly, but I'm just saying that, I mean, you know, a decent handgun that used to be, even a $400 handgun is now a $550 handgun these days. Uh, you knock 500 bucks out of my hand and it hits the ground again. That's not safe either. If I, think it's, if I think it's loaded and you're pointing it at me, I really don't care about your property. Uh, I, I understand that too. I, Let's just I focus on a P320, okay, guys? I just say, if it's made by SIG, then we can have it drop. I am more important. Yeah, no kidding. I am more important <laughs> than your Sky CPX. You know, or your Jimenez. Well, I get it. No, I, I, that's not I even agree. A question anyway, I but that guy CBX is drop safe because you can barely pull the trigger anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Um, as far as the notion of taking that time to do some soul searching, for sure. Um, and and yeah, I mean, mental training is just as important, if not more important, than physical training. Because how many stories have we heard over the years of somebody who'd never touched a gun, picked one up and used it to defend their life or somebody else's life, right? I mean, especially if it's a gun that doesn't have an external safety, you know, it's point, pull the trigger uh, until either the threat is over or the gun's empty. Uh, that doesn't take a whole lot of, of training that way. You know, and just about anybody can figure out how that part works. But you're right, Squib. You've got to think long and hard about whether you even um, have what it takes to pull that trigger, potentially ending another person's life, 
to to stop that threat, right? And Lord willing, you know, that'll never happen. I'll never be in that position. If I have never put into that position, I hope I've got what it takes. I, nobody, how do you know until you're there? Right. I, I think that I've, I think I value my life and, and whoever's with me more than, than somebody else. Um, thinking about that, just me personally. Um, I guess my, my only fear that's bigger than, the idea that I might have to take a life because there's no other option. Right. And it's not that I'm unwilling to, but I still, I don't want to. Um, and that's a fear that I have that one day I'll have to use my firearm to, uh, you know, to defend myself or, or somebody that, that's with me. Um, the only fear that's bigger than that is that I won't get out of my own OODA loop in time um, to get off the first shot. And you know, maybe I'll, I'll be in denial. Maybe I'll be, um, not understanding the situation hundred percent, but I fully expect that, you know, in my case, probably somebody else is going to shoot me before I get my firearm drawn and, and shoot back at them. Um, just because of the, the, my lack of experience, my lack of, I guess, thinking it all the way through, um, yeah. And again, the, the tendency to, you know, to get stuck inside your own OODA loop. And if you don't know what that is, um, go look it up when we're done here. Um, cause it's a, it's a great concept to, uh, uh, to think about, but I mean, I, I could just see myself, you know, sitting there spinning my wheels, trying to decide, uh, you know, somewhere between the, the OO and the duh, um, in that loop, I, I would be kind of stuck there. Um, hopefully, not too long, but I, I can't say that I wouldn't, you know, it's something that you've got to think about. It's something that everybody needs to, um, not only think about, but there's so many resources out there for, um, books, videos, things, you know, things from, from people who've been there and, and what their experience was and, and, you know, what training that they give now, not only on the physical side, but on the emotional uh, and, and mental and psychological side, you can look those things up too. And don't discount that as part of your training, getting your head, right. Um, both before and after a defensive firearm use is, is definitely something that's super important. I, I totally agree. Be careful. Be careful with that though. There's a lot of posers out there. True. You know, nothing about guns, you know, nothing about self-defense and you're scared of your own shadow and this person's got the tight T-shirt, the goatee, and the bald head. And you go, they must know what they're talking about. I could BS somebody into thinking I know what I'm talking about. You know, it, any of us could if, if, if we wanted to, to put on the charm and a whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of people willing to take your money to train you for a situation that you'll probably never be in. Or they're willing to train you in their way, which is the only way. We've talked about this on other shows. Be very careful of... If you're not doing it my way, you're doing it the wrong way. Now, I'm not talking about there's some safety things that everybody agrees on, you know, it, it, that sort of stuff. I'm talking, I'm talking about there are people out there that train for the fantasy scenario and they train for the one scenario and they, they have no situational awareness. Or they're training for a scenario that they're not going to be likely to be in. Or they don't have what it takes mentally to say, okay, this isn't happening. What can I adapt from what I've trained for to make it fit? right? To make it fit into this situation. And there is a certain amount 
of awareness and a certain amount of mental capacity you've got to have in order to say, I've got time to think this over, or I have to react. I don't have time to think. And you might go, well, what's the, which is, what's the difference? Which is which? That's something that comes with, I guess, experience. You can train, you can read books, you can listen to somebody else. But I mean, I know the difference. Well, Well, how do you know? I don't know how to put it into words. I guess I've just been there that many times. Uh, well, I've never been there. Well, get off the couch. Put down the bag of Cheetos. Get off the couch. Okay? <laughs> There's more to life than Netflix and your and your favorite snack. You know? So I disagree. Saying, there there are things that you can do. <laughs> There's a thing there things you can do in addition to studying firearm stuff or self-defense with regard to firearms with laws in your state. I mean, that's a very important thing to take the time to, to make sure you know if, if you don't have any state requirement that you take a class that teaches you the laws is that there are other forms of self-defense that you can learn. You can learn hand-to-hand and, and things like that. So you've got more tools in your, in your toolbox mm-hmm. or that maybe some hand-to-hand training might give you a little bit better idea of situation awareness or it might give you a little bit more uh, wherewithal to have to know when to back down when you can think and when you have to react. I'm not saying that's definitely going to do it, but that's in going in that, that direction might be useful to you. Analyze the training with maybe some other training. If you've taken some training, maybe take a different course or watch one of the videos or read one of the books or, or, or talk to somebody else who's gone to different training and look for inconsistencies and then try to figure out, is this situation specific or is, has one of us, you know, gone to training that maybe is, is bogus or do some critical thinking, I guess is what I'm saying. That's what a lot of people don't want to think for themselves. They just want to be told what to do. If you can't think for yourself, you're probably not responsible enough to defend your life. For sure. Well, and so I was going to pop in. Squib touched a little bit of what I was going to say is, I mean, how many gun owners out there have never taken a class of any sort? Like, even, So let, let's use this panel as an example. So, uh, I know other, I don't know for sure about Pat, uh, but Squibb's the only one I know that actually has real world, like military, any sort of training uh, as far as situations like that. And so he's got, he's got more experience than a lot of us, but how many people out there have never taken a class other than you know, shooting at paper targets? Um, I, I'd say there's classes you can take out there that, don't, that actually don't involve shooting. Uh, we have a wonderful one around here we can take, but um, think about doing that. I mean, spend the money you can't spend on ammo right now on a, on a class that makes you think about stuff and learn different skills that you don't have and you should have. Because let's be honest, if you're a gun owner and you don't know how to do things and want to do it right, yeah, you're holding yeah. something in your hand that can that can do damage, and you need to know when to use it and when not to use it and how to use the damn thing. One of the things. The that, way- oh, go ahead, Squib. Well, I was going to say, the way Defense Dad was saying that reminded me that with some hand-to-hand training, it doesn't necessarily have to be martial arts, although that is a a good form of it, is that they do a lot of procedure uh, that really doesn't seem like, it's like, why aren't we punching yet? Why aren't we kicking yet? And the thing is, it teaches you discipline. Discipline gives gives you that awareness to know this is time to react or this is time to think it through. Now, just listening to you talk kind of helped me remember how this works and that is one form of a way to get that discipline that maybe you don't have 
And that discipline might be the difference between saving your life. It's when knowing when to duck and when to strike and that sort of thing. So, I, I mean, I don't want to say that that hand to hand is the end all be all, but it could be the avenue to help you to use your skills better if you're using a weapon. So I'm, I'm kind of glad that you said it the way you said it, because it got me thinking. I appreciate that. Not a problem. Like, and so there's a class that I really want to take here. I got a uh, range that has now moving targets, but you have to be able to dedicate 300 rounds to the class. And right now, a lot of people can't do that. Yeah. No, Squib, when you were talking there, it, it made me think of, uh, of the karate kid, you know, when Daniel's getting so fed up with not learning karate and that night that Mr. Miyagi, you know, says, show me sand the floor, show me wax on wax off, show me paint the fence. And then he shows, you know, Mr. Miyagi shows Daniel and he finally realizes I've been learning these moves this whole time and I didn't even realize it. Um, so yeah, I mean, that goes back to that discipline, right? And, and, and uh, yes, that's discipline. And that will help you decide when to block, when to strike, when to duck, mm -hmm. when to, when you're outnumbered and you need to get out of there, when you can stand and fight, what, what, the thing is to do, I'm not saying it's always going to give you the answer, but yeah, it, it's kind of like some of the things that we do in military training. It seems stupid and repetitive and it's kind of pain in the butt, but when it's all over and done with, you suddenly have the whole picture. You mm -hmm. have the entire picture and that discipline helps you do that. And that helps with your situational awareness and other things like that. And, and it goes right back to the whole thing about, you know, I understand what you're saying about don't always berate somebody. Like if you're in the house and they hand you their gun, you know, that's not the point. But if you're at the range and they're pointing a gun at you that they were just shooting, it's, it's more than justified. But the whole thing is, you know, with that, once again, it goes back to if you don't have the discipline to be able to say that was pretty reckless of me and I deserved everything I got or the discipline to go that really ticked me off or that really offended me. And then, you know, count to 10 and you're good to go. You still don't have that level of discipline and maybe mm -hmm. you're not in a position to defend yourself or defend somebody else. I, I talked to somebody once who said I couldn't kill somebody else. I said, what if they were killing your daughter? And she says to me, well, if they were killing my daughter, I guess I could, but I really couldn't kill somebody else. And I go, you didn't even answer the question. And I'm <laughs> thinking, this is your kid. Yeah. This is your kid. You'll throw yourself in front of a moving bus to save your kid. If you won't, what did you, what were you thinking? having a kid. That's why I say it's not that I don't think you should not be allowed to have a gun or carry a gun, but what are you carrying that gun for or that mace or that taser or stun gun or that knife or whatever it is you have, you know, or why did you take that, the hand to hand training if you don't have the, the wherewithal to know when to use it and when not to use it? I totally agree. Um, and let's flip that around a little bit too. How many people, um, and I, I'd really like to know how many people out there in the chat, whether this is you or somebody that you know of, um, either put it in the comments here in the live or, or comment down below after the fact. But I want to know how many people do you know that did go get that training because they got attacked or they know somebody who got attacked and they said either not me or never again, is, is this going to happen? Right. Um, so that it, that goes both directions. Yeah, if you don't think you could take a life, then carrying a uh, a lethal weapon is probably not the best thing for you. But but on the other side, you know, 
again, we've heard stories and stories and stories from different instructors or, or different, even just different chats like this, where somebody never would have bought a gun until something bad happened to them. And that was what finally put that light bulb over their head that said, I am the one that's responsible to keep me safe. And the best tool to do that is this pistol or this rifle, shotgun, whatever it is. Um, so, I mean, it works both ways on, on that, that concept is I never thought I could kill somebody until I got attacked. And now I'm more than willing to take a life to save my own or save my kids or whatever is the case. But, you know, some people kind of get the, the raw end of the deal there, right? They, they get thrust into that situation, totally unprepared for it. And then they decide, yeah, I'm never going to feel like that again. So that, that happens too. Uh, actually, um, as I'm sitting here listening to what everybody has to say, I think next week's topic is going to be, um, <laughs> we may go back to one that's a little more volatile, but we're going to talk about um, training requirements to, to have a firearm and, and uh, a few other things too. But, uh, but we're going to get into that a little bit because nobody wants to go out to a range with somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. Right. But the flip side of that is, I don't think any of us want to see um, legislation mandating training requirements to exercise the the rights protected by the Second Amendment either. So, you know, that goes to uh, the, the we'll have the whole discussion about responsibility versus mandate, you know, all that stuff. So that I think we're going to have a little fun next week when we do that one, too. But we won't get into it tonight just because there's not enough time. So. Um, all right, we're just going to open this up and and throw out, you know, what other ideas people have um, as far as alternatives to going out and and doing live fire training. And this maybe is kind of bending my own rules a little bit. But one alternative that I want to throw out there is if you've got um, if you've got a stockpile, maybe of of 22, you can still work on fundamentals with a 22 side alignment and trigger squeeze pull whatever you want to call it um heck if you know i've talked to competitive shooters who tell me that or or, or uh yeah they say that their process is actually to slap the trigger if if that's what you're consistently accurate doing you know whatever but the 22 can be a lot cheaper than um you know 945 whatever it is you can get you know if you can find them i know that firearms are short right now too but if you can get the Glock 44. It's a 22 caliber version of the Glock 19. Same specs overall as far as as uh, dimensions, but the recoil is not there and, and the cost isn't quite there uh, as far as shooting that one. Or um, Defense Dad and I think Travis, do you have a do you have a TX 22 now as well? Um, Defense Dad yeah. and I have a TX 22 and I think Travis bought yeah. one, didn't you? Yeah, I did. And, you know, I've been thinking about maybe picking up, you know, you can get your full size replicas, I guess you could save your carry gun in 22 many times. Like there's mm -hmm. 1911 um, that I think GSG makes that's that's in 22. There's a uh, bread in 92. That's that's in 22. It looks there's it, a they're not necessarily made by. Yeah, not, they're not necessarily made by, you know, bread or cold or whatever. But well, there's, nice there's, a, there's an M9. Those. There's an M922. There's a Beretta, uh, a Walther PPQ in 22. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of companies make them. And, and a lot of these guns are 
dimensionally identical, but they fire yeah. the the twenty two long rifle instead. So yeah. those can be more cost effective thing. You could even get, um, you know, for your hunting rifle, you can practice um, breathing and trigger squeeze and everything on a, a bolt action twenty two rifle, like a Ruger American Rimfire or something like that. You know, and still go through the process of cycling a bolt, you know, or a, a Browning T bolt or any of those that I, I can't think of all the model numbers of bolt action 22s right now, but I mean, those are all options too, that will let you um, kind of simulate that center fire rifle without, um, without having to, to break the bank. Or in my case, I mean, hunting rounds, we all found that out this last fall. Um, those got bought out uh, of the stores and then they barely got replaced because the manufacturers are not spending a lot of time loading um the different hunting calibers they're spending most of their time and resources loading the popular defensive calibers so there's there this has even affected hunting rounds um as far as the ammo shortage goes because it's not the priority that the manufacturers are are reloading uh, or not reloading but loading a bunch of that to restock the stores there either so if if you're thinking of buying a new rifle for hunting this year um think long and hard before you make that purchase that make sure you're going to be able to find ammo for it too if it's something you don't already have but that that 22 can be a good one um yep uh it's just gonna pop in uh that, that's yeah. that's why i bought that uh 22 conversion kit for my ar because mm -hmm. i can still run you know practice everything with it and still shoot out fairly good decent or distance and I'm not shooting stuff that's over a dollar around now, but you can do pretty much everything else. And to be honest with you, it's, it's, it's my AR is a two, two, three. So it doesn't kick much more than a 22, but I have a lot of 22. There you go. I, I forgot about the conversion kit. Um, another option that I'll kick in is the, the various electronic. Um, sim, I don't know. Do you want to call them a simulator? Like the, the Mantis X or the, uh, uh, iTarget Pro or some of those where you, you've got the little laser bullet that goes in the chamber and then you shoot the special target or or whatever and it tracks it on your phone and lets you know your accuracy. So you you not only, you know, it's it's one step better than dry fire because you get that feedback that says uh, you were way off or, um, you know, you're you're dipping or you're, you're limp wristing or something. Um, you know, you're, you're anticipating the recoil, whatever it is. I mean, you can find a lot of those quirks with some of that electronic stuff that, that tracks your motions or whatnot too. So those are, those are nice. Even the, the thing I like about the Mantis X is that um, you can usually get that system to work either dry fire or live fire and get that same feedback, even when you do go to the range. So they're a little more expensive, but there's a reason for that because um, you can actually hang those on, on a firearm that, and use the live fire with them, the, the live ammo. What else is out there for options that we haven't touched on yet? Well, and what this is kind of a accidental thing I found. I just yeah, I purchased that SIG that had the factory mounted laser on it. Mm -hmm. When I do dry fire on it, I point that laser at the wall, and boy, it's, you can definitely tell if you're anticipating or dipping or doing something because you can see it visually and kind of along the same lines. It's just, it, I, it didn't cost me anything for an extra training tool because the gun had it. So if you have a gun that has a laser, 
that's a great one to use in to, just to see what you're doing during your dry fire, fire practice. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of people say that uh, um, they like to take either uh, an empty shell casing or even a penny or something like that and, and just set it on top of their slide. And when they're uh, dry firing, you know, if, if you're, if your trigger squeezes is, is right, then um, the gun doesn't move and, and you don't knock that empty case off or, or knock the penny off or whatever. Uh, if that's going flying off, then you know that you're, you're doing something wrong um, as far as moving that gun when you shouldn't be. Well, and one thing you could do too is that it was done to me, uh, especially newer shooters. Oh, they'll swear they have a good sight picture and everything. Um, lay a mag across the, uh, the top of it. If you think you got a good sight picture, lay an empty mag across your back sight. Do you still have a good sight picture? Because a lot of times if people are off, they, they, they're really not looking at their sight picture. So that's a good training tool to do too. Hmm. So like it, it blocks the blocks the rear sight so you or the front sight then so you can't see the yeah because like I've been, couple, I've been in a couple classes where people are complaining like oh it's hitting high it's hitting low like, and then the instructor will ask people well do you have are you lining up your sights you have a good picture yeah so the instructor will literally will, will come over and just lay a mag across their back sight i was like do you still have a good sight picture well no i can't see the front sight um do little stuff like that. Sometimes you think you got a good sight picture and you don't. There's little things like that you can do all kind of along the same lines as putting that empty shell in the front. There's little things you can do with stuff you already have that don't cost you money, but are kind of an eye opener when you're training. Mm -hmm. uh, something else I wanted to add too is when you, if you do practice your draws, try it with a variety of, of tops on shirts, coats, mm -hmm. hoodies, just because the way you might have to draw in the wintertime with gloves on is going to be different than if you have just an overshirt or, say a button up shirt over your t-shirt you know and so that we can get that muscle memory too so you get a chance to practice it and uh you know just see how long it takes you to actually do that and one thing and i know it was mentioned out in the chat here quite a while back but um when you're practicing your draw don't just do it standing up do it from a seated position do it from the car if you can without causing a panic in the neighborhood right like don't go to a busy uh park and then work on practicing your draw in your car. But if you don't have a garage that you can do it, you know, um, without somebody watching you, then find a spot that's secluded out, you know, out in the country or something where you're not going to, again, you're not going to cause problems, but work on drawing from the car. Uh, because if, if you've ever carried concealed on, especially like on your, your three o'clock to five o'clock position, um, or whatever that equates to for a left-hander, uh, that's not easy to reach always when you're in your car, especially with a seatbelt on. So if you ever have to deploy that firearm from your driver's seat or the passenger seat, you're going to need to know what you need to do there too and, and kind of make that into a muscle memory as well. So keep that in mind. Uh, you're not only... You're not only, you know, always going to be standing upright whenever you need to uh, get that thing into action. Yeah, I'll be the first to tell you if you're a left-hander and you're practicing driving, drawing inside the car, your arm's right up against that door. Mm -hmm. So you're right. You got to practice that. Yep. Or, or why don't why don't you just get a British car? That, I don't know why more left-handed people don't drive right-hand drive cars. That's true. You know, but realistically, I do. I'll. I'll sit in my garage once in a while and I'll practice that because 
and I'm a big guy, right? I mean, everybody, if you see my videos, everybody knows that. So, yeah, I mean, I'll just sit in the garage with the with the door shut, and I'll practice jogging every so often. It's you don't really know how hard it actually is until you try it. Again, now I, I it feels like there should be a, a disclaimer here if you're going to sit in the garage with the garage door closed and work on your draw. Make sure the motor's not running. You know, yeah, car's not running. <laughs> so, so, some of you out there, I mean, maybe you know, need to be told this. So, uh, we don't want anybody writing in saying, "Hey, I was practicing and I got real sleepy." Uh, uh, no, you know. no, no, no. That is called natural selection. You do <laughs> you. You do you. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, I tell you what, if if it wasn't for lawyers, uh, I've said I, you guys have heard. I think all of you've heard me say this before. If we could just eliminate warning labels altogether then most of the stupid would be bred out within about two to three generations. If YouTube mm -hmm. can't be held liable for what's said on this show, none of us really can be held liable for what's said on this show. Well, that's true. You would expect such a thing. So, yeah, do what you got to do. Um, no, not these days, though. <laughs> <laughs> we want to make sure this show makes it to the end of season two. So, I, yeah. I just thought there might be a few people out there that uh, I mm -hmm. figure if, if you're going to sit there in the garage with the, the door closed and the motor running to practice your draw stroke, then you might be the same type of person that says, I support the Second Amendment, but... So with that reduced mental capacity, I thought maybe I should help some of these people out a little bit. Well, and some people may hear broadcasts like this and think, God, my God, do these guys have nothing better to do except they're going to play with their guns and practice? Uh, so no. realistically... Honestly, I don't have anything better to do. No. Well, I don't do this stuff every night, but like, shut the damn TV off once in a while and practice with it. Yeah, I mean, how many people complain that they've got 143 TV channels and there's nothing on? Well, you don't have to sit there and watch a crap program versus bettering yourself, right? If nothing else, pick up a read a book, read this book. If if you're wanting to know about stuff, you can find out a lot from this book too. So pick a copy of this up and turn off the TV and just read this thing. So. All right, I think it's time to to wrap things up. We won't go the uh, go to a two hour time frame tonight. But before we wrap things up, um, what haven't we mentioned that anybody wants to throw out there? All right, don't all talk at once. No, I, I think it's been a pretty good conversation I can't tonight. Our head either. <laughs> So, all right. Um, after I yeah, old today, guy with a goatee. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Tight t-shirt, bald guy with a goatee. And I'm thinking, how did you know my t-shirt's tight? I got a shirt on over it. <laughs> I'm not an instructor. I just run my mouth on the internet. Um, no, in, in all seriousness, there's there's been some good stuff thrown out there and great ideas. And that's, you guys know this, that's the only reason I want to... Uh, um, the reason I want to do this is just to get some ideas out there, get thoughts flowing, and maybe have people, like Squib said, think critically, um, be able to uh, uh, think about things and, and question things and come up with their own conclusions. And, and don't just don't just take our word for it, right? Go out and, and do some of this legwork yourself and find out what works for you. Um, Patriot also says, uh, if you don't want to read a book, you can watch the above playlist. And I'll put it up on the screen for anybody that wants to freeze frame that and type that in since you can't copy it. But it is in the live chat, um, which I've got that turned on for replay over on the 
on the YouTube side there. Um, but go check that out. And uh, uh, there's some there's some good stuff. I haven't watched all of them, but there's some good stuff in there. So, all right. Well, before we wrap this up, uh, again, um, we are live on YouTube and Facebook tonight. Uh, because of our sponsors to, to help us out with that StreamYard cost. Uh, this week's episode is sponsored by Riding Shotgun with Charlie. Uh, and Charlie was out there in the chat, at least for a little bit. Um, so glad to have him along for the ride with us. Uh, Riding Shotgun with Charlie is a great interview show that brings you right into the heart of intimate conversations where you can be a fly on the rearview mirror. The show's host, Charlie Cook, talks freedom, firearms, and anything related with guests from all over the country. Although he hasn't had, to my knowledge, any of us on his show yet. So, Charlie, time to step it up. Uh, time to get to Michigan and Nebraska. Uh, filmed within the safe confines of Charlie's stagecoach, passengers open up about their lives and what is on their mind. Riding Shotgun with Charlie is available on YouTube, GunStreamer, and the OpsLens app, and most popular podcast platforms. You can visit Charlie on the web at writingshotgunwithcharlie.com and be sure to check out his cool swag page with all new Writing Shotgun with Charlie t-shirts, stickers, patches, and more. And we didn't put that on the screen again, but there it is, writingshotgunwithcharlie.com. Uh, go check it out. And uh, and I don't know if there's a place you can contact him, but if there is, let him know that uh, let him know that you heard about him here. So... All right. Um, Pat, I think you said that you were kind of keeping up with people a little bit. So do you have your version of the list? Why, yes, I do. I actually wrote everybody down tonight. Hopefully I didn't miss anybody, but here is the list. We have out there in the chat, it was Obnoxious One, G23, MKJO, Defense Dad in here and out there, Frankie's Guns and Glitter, Guy that comments, Sandhill Sweetheart, God bless you. Thoughts and prayers are going out to you. Pat Hirsch, that's me, in here and out there. <laughs> and I don't know how this guy pronounces it, but it's capital C, capital A, space L. So I'm going to say Cal L. <laughs> I think we just call him Cal. Okay, well, that's Cal. Uh, Bishops, Ammunition and Firearms, Gizzard Gary, Clover Tack, Poor Conservative, Zone Fighter One, Richard Hirsch, my brother, Keith Gregory, Mike Agorizer, Two Live Moo, and Ozzy Osborne. And on the panel tonight, Travis P. 11, Travis P. 11, Squiblo, Defense Dad, Pat Hirsch, and of course, our lovely host, John Anderson. The lovely one is not with us, but you got me. Um, and then over on Facebook, I remember seeing Josh and Donnie. We had Charlie out there. Uh, Kendall was out there. Uh, and that might be all that I saw come through on the Facebook site as well. I want to shout out zone fighter one. Um, he came down to the Capitol last Wednesday on March 3rd and was hanging out. I don't know that you actually did any testifying on any of the bills zone fighter, but it was good to meet you and uh, hang out and and just see uh see you out there to support um the second amendment and our rights and nfoa um so uh very very cool there all right we're gonna let everybody just go through and and sign off uh so we'll just go back in reverse order of how we said hello so uh except for travis uh squib we'll let you start off this time uh, any closing thoughts and where can people find you if they want to hear more about what you have to say? Uh, don't come look for me. <laughs> uh, 
I guess uh, thanks for the invite, and uh, thanks for mentioning that uh, Riding Shotgun with Charlie has got patches on his website. I tried to weasel a patch last year. I got a flat no. What? Now I got a I, well, it was the prototype. Uh, you know, go big or go home, man, right? Right. So at least now I know that there's a place I can go and purchase it. So I'll be doing that. Thanks for mentioning it. That's right. I don't have a patch. I got a sticker. Where'd that go? It's right here. Yeah, I tried I, to get you a sticker, and they go, he already has one. And I'm like, oh, well, fine. Yeah, geez, Charlie, heaven forbid I have a second one. Dang. Uh, I've also got the gun. Oh, no, look at Charlie. He has handlers. I you think have so. handlers? Do you have so, handlers? Do, do I have I handlers? Wives, handlers, wives, security, you know, a whole entourage. Yeah, well, I'm not big time like Charlie is the thing. Riding shotgun with big time Charlie. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I think it's called the Nebraska Mafia. I mean, occasionally I get trolls on here. So I, I know that if I'm big enough to get trolls that I'm, you know, one step closer to making it. But I know that I'm not, I have not yet made it. So we'll, we'll just keep plugging along until that happens. Um, probably never will. So Squib, thanks for being here. Always appreciate hearing your viewpoints. Um, even if they're not the same as my own, that's cool. I like the fact that you, uh, you'll come here and, and, uh, you're not afraid to, to say that you disagree I like that about you. Uh, Pat, you're up next. Where can people find you and any closing thoughts? Uh, you can find me at, uh, Pat Hirsch on YouTube and, uh, yeah, just been super busy with, uh, yeah, farming in the ranch. So haven't had a lot of time to make any videos, but got a couple in the holster. Just haven't <laughs> drawn on them and uh, put them out there yet. So got to do a little bit of editing, but uh, yeah, just go out there and uh, go see this fine panels videos out there. And uh, again, always, John, it's an honor. And thank you for having me on tonight. Thanks for joining us. All right, Defense Dad, you're up next. Where can people find you? Oh, mostly on YouTube, but uh, I am on Odyssey, uh, and then I do a small Patreon, um, and I'm still doing a little bit of Instagram, not as much as I probably should. Put a couple of videos out this week. Uh, hopefully, they're hopefully people like them. Uh, if they're not, uh, well, they're still there. There you go. All righty. Thanks for joining us. And then last, but certainly not least, everybody's uh, favorite king of the Travi, Travis. P one one. Thanks, man. Appreciate the invite. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gunstreamer, GunTube, YouTube. Just look for Travis P one one, and that's where you're gonna find me. So, uh, appreciate that. Excuse me, voice is going out here. Hold on. Uh, -oh. uh anyway, appreciate the invite, the man. Thank you there. so much. Now nah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> but uh, no, no, no cold, no cold. It's got some phlegm going on here, so got to clear the throat. But uh, no, appreciate the invite, man. Thanks a lot. Yep. Thanks for being here. All right. Well, um, I think that's about it. Again, I just want to uh, mention you can go find us and a whole lot better podcast than, than this one, even uh, at sdrn.us or selfdefenseradio.net. Uh, go check out all of the shows that are part of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Uh, go find the gear. And here's the thing. I really want to see all that support for Sandhill Sweetheart. Um, I'm you know, full disclosure. Yeah. We get a little bit of a kickback, so I'm not opposed to making a little money off the process too. 
but that's not the biggest thing. Uh, go buy her stuff. Go buy the stuff with it that's got the the lime green ribbons on it, or as close to lime green as they could make it for us. And uh, you know, just go show her that support. We we appreciate all the love that everybody's showing us, um, and uh, uh, really appreciate seeing all those the all the stuff that people are ordering. Um, that's really cool too. It's it's not like we get a ton out of this. It's building. It's not even enough yet that it's been worth Crumpy sending us um, sending us a payment over on PayPal. So, uh, it's still building, but, um, every little bit does help too. So we sure appreciate that. Um, I think that's it. Go check out squib load. Go check out, uh, Pat Hirsch, defense dad, Travis P 11. Um, on the Facebook side, you can go check out Sandhill sweetheart as well. Um, you can find me on YouTube and Facebook right now. Those are the only two places, uh, that we're doing live stuff. These do all get transferred over to gunstreamer.com as well. So, uh, those are safe in case anything ever does happen. And Google kicks us off of YouTube, um, or Zuckerberg kicks us off of Facebook. Then, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice is going too. but those are all safe over on Gunstreamer. So go check that out as well. Um, on behalf of Sandhill sweetheart and, defense dad travis p11 pat and squib and myself thanks everybody for being here it doesn't do us any good to just hang out and talk without you being out there watching sharing liking please share the heck out of it thumb it up uh like it uh if you haven't been to the facebook page go like us there if you haven't been to the youtube channel go subscribe to us there we're really getting close to 2000 subs on youtube and it's only taken us uh two years to get from 1500 to 1900 uh, or 18, whatever we are. So we're getting there. We're getting close. Um, but we, we need a few more. So, uh, go help us out. Love all of you. God bless you. Have a great rest of your week. You know what time it is now. Get off my lawn. <laughs>